Every week on Sunday morning, we like to read from the lectionary. It is a way that we stay connected with the Universal Church. It goes over the scripture in three years, going over specific passages each morning. So this morning, our lectionary passage is from Psalm 67, and it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and let all the ends of the earth fear him. And so God, your word this morning says that you are here to bless your people lavishly. And so Lord, although the world seems a little crazy and our weeks might have been hard, we press into the promise that your word says. Lord, we pray for perspective. We pray for an expansive view of what you are doing in our hearts, our homes, our community, our nation, and in this world. Lord, we seek to partner with the goodness that we see. Lord, we pray that this morning that everyone is, who is participating in this service, who's listening or will listen throughout the week, feels your presence, feels your peace, feels your encouragement and your kindness. Lord, we thank you for the God that you are and what you are doing. We pray to have eyes to see and attention to really focus in. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Welcome back, Josh. Welcome back, people. Um, I'm going to go into a psalm today, which is not something I would typically do, but I felt this week as I was preparing, I actually made a massive preparation mistake. It wasn't a mistake at the time, it was just what was happening, but I literally prepared a sermon built around two passages. And then about nine-tenths of the way through it, I felt as if I was supposed to not preach it. It just became a personal, devotional, um, kind of a mind explosion experience through the text that I had with Jesus' interaction with a woman that he, it seemingly says he calls a woman a dog, and then she basically exudes a kind of faith that helps him to see her inclusion into this gospel story. I wasn't supposed to do that, so I shifted, and I felt like we were supposed to jump into what it is to be blessed, and what it looks like to bless one another, and what it looks like to overall be blessed by God and through Jesus. And I think the reason I felt like this was important was noticing how many people, groups, feel the opposite of blessing, and not only just feel it, but actually perceive it and live it. And I know personally for me, this is a story in my life that the words of blessedness through the text in Jesus, even the community of God at times, is not believable. I actually am pretty good at making people believe that I believe them if they express it towards me in in gratitude, thankfulness, um, encouragement, words of encouragement. But I truly don't let it like go past my heart. And so I have this massive issue with making it look like I received it, thank you, enjoyed that compliment, or whatever blessing it was, while not actually believing it because of the systems and structures that are built within my own heart. 
of brokenness and cursedness. And I don't know why it is for me or for most believers, but I think most of us, it's easier for us to believe where we feel cursed or not enough as our identity, as opposed to saying, no, I believe I'm a son or daughter of the Most High God, who's chosen, blessed, and highly favored. Amen? It's hard to believe that stuff um, because it doesn't feel like it matches our story in life. So our hearts have been kind of in a tumultuous time for almost six months. I was trying to count this morning. It's been about six months, almost six months of whatever the season we're in. And, and while we've been doing our best to try and help our whole body reframe it so that we can look at the ways that God would still be faithful and blessing, which he is, I'm certain of, I've been drawn to these really simple spaces that have become meaningful, but it doesn't mean that there's not struggle. It doesn't mean there's not mourning. It feels like there's more mourning. It feels like there's more grieving that's surfacing. And I think that's what happens when you remove the busyness from a culture, a world, when you remove the normal things that keep us going, sports. You know, even what we have now, I wouldn't really call it sports, right? My, my favorite team, the Braves, it's not even the team. It's like one-fourth of the team. It's not what it was, and it's not going to go back to what it was. But when you remove those things, the things that come up, I think we start to become angry at, but it's, it's really just an opportunity for the things of our heart to surface. When you remove the things that we would typically sedate ourselves with. And I think it's happening for the world. I think the reasons we see, the tensions we see, the reasons that the racial conversations were able to surface is because we removed all the things that keep us busy so that we could see something that was there. The reasons there's such vitriol hate towards one another in a political season is because we removed so many of the things that keep us sedated But we don't know what to do when the things of our heart surface. We don't know what to do when we struggle through grief. I met with a pastor friend of mine. We started to form a relationship. He's a local pastor. till almost 11 o'clock this week at night. And he started talking about how he's had to grieve like he's never grieved before. And he doesn't feel equipped. Most pastors don't feel equipped to grieve. We've been taught in our seminaries to lead people towards how we're blessed. But I think it's both. And I think the things that have been removed for us, RCC, have been removed for a lot of churches. I know it to be true. Most churches in our city, at least, aren't meeting. And, but the things that made us who we were, if you think about it, the people who are listening, who will listen, that are a part of this community, when you walk into our church, it feels like a family. That's not something we put on our website. That's what people tell us. I walked into RCC and it felt different. Even when you come when we came together a few months ago. Some of those things have been taken away. It's hard to do that, socially distanced with a mask on. It's hard to do that while caring for the least of these. One of the other things that really made us who we are were these ideas of retreats for the past two years where we take 40, 50 people into the woods and get a cabin and just worship together and pray together and love one another and mourn together and weep together. And last year in the men's one, just a massive time of confession surface in the midst of the community. These things aren't available to us right now. But that doesn't mean that God isn't active. That doesn't mean that the body of Christ is not thriving around the world and that it's not going to. I know that it's going to. It just might not look, it just won't look like what it looked like. But we don't have to fret about that. Our shepherd goes before us. So when I read these Psalms, it makes me think of the church at its best and the church at its worst. 
You know, if we're listening to Barna's research right now, which I, I really recommend that you go to Barna Group and look at some of the stats about church today and about how to care for people who are grieving and about how to be a body in a digital age, which is everybody's dealing with this. Some of the stats that jumped off the page that I can't get out of my head are from the beginning of this until now, about 50% of the people are continuing to be a part of bodies online. It's just not desirable for a lot of people. About 30% of people are being a part of their own body and then checking out other bodies, which I think is kind of neat. You know, about 12, 13% of people have dipped out of their old body and are now in some new waters. And I just think that's probably pretty normal across the board. And then over 30% of the people that from the start of the season until now have stopped being a part of the body, period. That means that one-third of the people we know that would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, I practice the way of Jesus, have now decided, for whatever reason, they won't watch online, they don't participate in smaller gatherings, and they don't continue in the community. But interestingly enough, a lot of those people still give to churches. So it's a strange place to be as a pastor in a body. So the question to me is, if this is the case, how do we care for people? They actually did some research that say people not a part of a body and people still a part of a body, 68% of those people right now desire prayer and emotional support. Many people don't know how to ask for it. Many churches don't even know how to give it in the kind of levels of trauma that are happening right now. But that gives us a spot to say, as we move forward, what are the things about the body that will continue to be good if we're wearing masks and socially distance or if we're gathering in thousands? What makes the body of Christ the body of Christ? How do we embody this and take it and live missionally when we can't even go eat comfortably? This is, to me, a beneficial challenge for the body of Christ. Because maybe this will be the season where we remove some of the identities that need to be taken away. Maybe this is not the space where in the next 20 years we're talking about building bigger buildings so that we can house more people. Maybe we learn how to sell our buildings and move into neighborhoods with people. Maybe we learn how to love our actual neighbors in proximity to our houses instead of just hoping that our pastors or our associate pastors or our mission pastors have a thought for us to live out. This is a good thing. This does not negate that people are mourning. This does not negate that people are getting sick now doesn't negate that the tensions that are surfacing racially and all other ways are real and need to be addressed. But it does challenge the body into its rightful place. We have a call. We have a vision. We have a shepherd that is leading us in and out of the highways and the byways and the streets and the hills and houses and homes and Zoom rooms and baseball fields. We have a shepherd leading us. And so as I jump into this psalm today... I want you to know that as I've read the Psalms historically, typically for me, when I find myself in the Psalms, it's it's mostly a time when I don't want to do any kind of theological work. I'd rather just be kind of encouraged or maybe like a little bit challenged. But a lot of Christians, as they start into the faith, will be told, maybe start in the Psalms. You know, there's 150 of them, and you know, they're kind of like worshipful at times. It's even though a third of them are mournful and you know, I think the Psalms for me have represented almost like somebody said, it's like you're driving on a highway and for pastors reading the Psalms, it's like you're passing our, like the, the signs on the highway. It's just like Psalm, Psalm, Psalm. Let's go to Romans if we want to talk about doctrine. Let's go to, you know, let's go to Corinthians if we want to talk about ethics. Let's 
The Psalms to me are ones that you have to sit with. And for this one specifically, Psalm 67, and you can open it up in your own Bible, which is already laid out before you at your tables and on your couches, just right in front of your family. Each child probably has their own version, maybe even in the original Greek, which is good. We applaud you for that. Open up your Bibles if you like. We're working on making this more easy to see for you. We're getting there. Our people, by the way, right now in the sound booth are... Two of the most amazing people that helped this happen behind the scenes, and that's Bill and Marcus, and there are so many others, but if you guys would like to quietly applaud them and just say thank you to those guys, send them a text, they are killing it for us, but we're getting there. But for, for today, this psalm, this is a missional psalm. It's, it's labeled a missional psalm, and it talks of what it is to remember what God has done so that you can ask him for more blessing. And before we move forward, when we start to talk about asking God for blessing, This is not the idea that God is supposed to provide all of our material things and not move past that into the heart. It's a combo. God does provide materially, but he also provides for deeper, more sustainable things. Remember, the bread king is not the bread king because he gives people bread to eat, but he leads them to a deeper meal. The material blessings of God always lead to a deeper blessing, a blessing in the heart, one that says, I trust you in COVID-19, one that says, I trust you in a season where racial tensions are blaring and we need to speak truth to powers, one that says, I trust you when I have loss, as Kara said last week, one that says, I trust you when most people won't go to church. And so I'm going to read this to you, Psalm 67, and this was actually sung. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sing it to you. I have no idea how this would be sung but I'm going to read it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for for you judge the peoples with equity, guide the nations upon earth, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This psalm is beautiful to me for two reasons right now. A lot of times when the Christian walk is embodied in the text, it almost feels militaristic or as we're jumping into a battle. And I think that kind of picture makes sense to us because that's what we feel a lot as we wrestle with our own faith and theologically move towards a deeper understanding of the knowledge of God and live the life of God. We feel as we live in a culture offering us secondary artificial kings that it does feel like a war, but here it's not framing it in militaristic language. It's not telling us to go and take the head of our enemy here. It's telling us that your God blesses, your God is gracious, and your God is giving. These are foundational. And the words of blessing, right, are words that need, to, especially words of blessing in Jesus are so important They're so important for a people to hear how blessed they are, not just because we can avoid all that negative stuff. I don't think we're supposed to avoid mourning. I don't think we're supposed to avoid grief. I don't think we're supposed to avoid what's happening in our culture, but we can't 
go into it not knowing we are blessed. To not believe and not know that we are blessed by the creator God, Yahweh, through Jesus, his, his spirit, his son, incarnate on earth. To not know we are blessed gives us no framework to be a blessing to the world. If we want to speak truth to powers and we don't believe that we are truly the blessed kids of God, how can we speak truth to powers? What are we handing people? What are we telling people is better than what is there? It's not just to eradicate. It's not just to create a space that's empty, right? It's to fill it with a Jesus that is spreading his love across the earth. This actual blessing here, I said blessing, so... Forgive me, Sarah. It's okay. I said blessing. Uh, for the first time I was in Colorado, I had somebody tell me I have a strong southern language. And I've never heard that before. But I didn't respond quickly. When I told them I was from Atlanta, they were like, oh, I hear it in your voice. I was like, okay. that's. I didn't want, okay. All right. I didn't think I did, but I do. So uh, we're going to talk about blessings today. And it's so important, right? It's so important to talk about blessing people. But this one is taken from another blessing. So this is the psalmist trying to talk to his worshiping community about blessing by reminding them of the Aaronic blessing from Numbers. And you can pull this one up. If you can see it, amen. If you can't, it's in your Bible. You read it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So this is a, I'm fairly certain every person just had a song going in their head because this is the most replayed song in the world right now. It was done recently, built around this blessing. I actually like it. I like the song. I like what it says. I like that it's scripture. But this is taken and it's given to this community because in this kind of transferal of blessing, it's not just like, let's do these new blessings to give people the psalmist is saying, I want to bless you, and God, I want these people to be blessed, and we want to be blessed, but we remember how you did bless. And so make it a blessing like that, but for us now. It's a reminder of a larger, more totalitarian blessing, the blessings of God. So this is kind of like, in this blessing for these people, help them to also be reminded of all the blessings of God which just speaks something so unbelievably important to me, that when we speak a word of blessing grounded in Christ, not just a eradication of sorts, but a blessing grounded in the hope of Christ, that it has the possibility, maybe, to actually unlock, and I'm not saying this is scriptural, but maybe the totality of the blessings of God, that maybe it's an, a door into when we speak a word of blessing to someone. Maybe it's a doorway into them starting to realize and fathom the kind of blessing God has over their lives. Maybe it's a reminder when we're mourning that we should mourn, but you're also blessed. Maybe it's a reminder, right? Maybe it reminds us of deeper, stronger, more foundational, the things that will need to be within our frameworks forever when we speak to someone when we see Jesus' face to shine upon those in our community, when we actually are the face of Jesus shining upon those in our community, when we actively step into the role of what it is to be the body of Christ, if you wanna talk about the things that are irreplaceable in this world, I do believe that the gathering of a weekly church service, not just in my living room, not just at a coffee house, speaks a larger message than maybe we thought. You know, maybe we spent so much time trying to figure out, well, this would be the perfect way to do the gathering. 
that we forget that all of these elements involved in our gatherings, which aren't necessarily possible right now, the confession, right? When we worship together in a room, there's no other space like that. There's no other space where there's a unified voice speaking to creator God saying, you are this and we need you. To gather one out of seven days a week at least to say that together, it means something important. Whether we felt the spirit or didn't feel the spirit in that setting, it sends a message to our psyche. It sends a message to our families. It reminds us this is important. When we confess to one another, when we gather together at retreat or here and say, God, I need you. I am broken here. And there's a brother and sister within proximity to say, can I pray for you? Can I just hug you? That's irreplaceable. In a culture that gives us other versions that say, if you would just work harder, if you would just achieve more, if you would just up your Instagram game, which I'm guessing right now the Instagram game is strong because people are just like over-creative and just killing it. So we're seeing everybody's best version of their best now, right? The gathering of the body of Christ, the sacramental portions where we, where we confess our need for a savior, where we are reminded that we exist in this gathering for the city, but it's not about like, figuring out this perfect plan to make everybody believe our God, but that he has placed us here. And that just in the gathering, I think Kara actually mentioned that she's preached the sermon. I didn't even talk to her. But when people see the way that a brother and sister in Christ love one another, it truly is the best gospel witness there is to see the kind of love for one another that we offer. But we're getting so many opposite messages right now. And actually one of the statistics that were produced in Barna's research was that the people that have decided for whatever reason to not be a part of gathering, whether in person or online, have started to experience a spike in insecurity, loneliness, and depression. I'm not saying those are all the reasons, but I think there's a connection to meeting together with the body, whether online or offline or in a line or six feet apart it reminds us of the blessedness that we are, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, right? The temple of God, it's important. I'm not here to convince you, get back in this room. I'm saying he has the answers if we listen to our shepherd, God, and we don't have to stress, right? One of my things as I went, side note, we drove to Colorado for two weeks in our car, and spent a ton of family time together. And one of my largest takeaways was that Jesus is literally looking at us saying, I have this and you can trust me. It won't look like what you think or want or would have chosen, but you absolutely can trust me. You can trust me. There will be problems. There will be struggles. There will be fighting and bickering. This thought was happening in the car with our kids. So that might've been a crossover, but I'm just gonna pretend like it's actually real. But you can look at Jesus and say, I trust you even if our bodies are sick for a season, even if we're mentally weighed down and can take no more, when it's grief upon grief upon grief, Jesus is trustworthy. He'll, he'll always be trustworthy. And so this is, I just wanna hit this just for a second. I don't, I'm gonna go long in the tooth. I guess you guys can turn off your YouTube, YouTubes, as my dad would say, and your Facebooks. But, I just want to spend some time. So, so the language of blessing really, really actually taps into what we've seen racially happening over the past few months, right? So if we believe that our God is a God that blesses people and communities, and we have allowed for 
even silent oppression, systemic structural oppression, to speak a message to a brother or sister that would say to them, you are less important, that is not the language of God. And so we have the opportunity not to take it into an arena or even like the the scriptures say, the accuser of the brethren is one of the, the labels given our enemy. So we don't take it in a way that turns it into a fight. And we don't lose our voice by just trying to make a point, but we trust that Jesus is guiding us into these conversations to speak truth to powers because all of our brothers and sisters are blessed by God. That is the work of the body of Christ. Not to say it's not real, definitely not to avoid it, but to become the people of God that speak blessing to those who need to be blessed. And if we are anything, we are the body that embodies the blessings of God to a world that he came to die for. Not just to judge, and even his judgment looks more like justice. And who doesn't want justice but those who are not a part of justice? We desire justice. In this passage alone, to hear him say he's a God of justice should give us pause to say, say la, thank you, Jesus, because we would love justice. If we would not love justice, then we need to look at why we wouldn't. Usually power goes to where power is. We've been given the power of God to speak and liberate truth into the people of this world, the people who are sick, the people who need to be reminded It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. You were created by Yahweh God and you were recreated in Christ Jesus. And this is important. And so we can experience the blessedness of God. I mean, there's so many other examples I wanted to give, but for some reason, I mean, specifically speaking, the the reason I need to hear my blessedness is one, because I might appear at times to feel like I've got it all together and, and I'm a three on the Enneagram, which... Justin Boggs, you just checked out, but I still love you, brother. But I make it appear as I believe my blessedness, as many of you do, and I don't, because I still operate as if I'm cursed and try and build out my own blessedness, and it doesn't work. So the body of Christ reminds each one of us, you are blessed by God. If you don't believe it, we'll pray with you, but we will speak it over you and to you and through you so that you can begin to embody that. It's a gift, right? But the gift that is given to us individually will always be bound up in the blessed community. And the community of God is important. And vice versa, the gift of community, we help each other see our blessedness. We help each other to see how our faces can shine upon one another. There are times when I've seen some of your faces shine upon me in a way that says, that person is looking at me in a way that makes me feel like I'm actually super important. One of the people who knows how to do that is Alita. And she is probably not watching right now because she's probably fasting and praying. But I can see, and one of the things I miss most about this room and having people in it is she was a person, when I would look at her, her face was shining upon me and sharing with me in my insecurity as I do this, which I am typically, usually insecure about, the blessedness of God coming through her in the seating that she was at. And I experienced the kind of feeling it feels like to be affirmed by Father God. That is irreplaceable, and the body of Christ is here for that, right? To make, his, make your face to shine upon us, God, and we are the ones who are your face to do that. I want to read you a quick note from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, in my commentary. It says this, 
Preaching must be like offering a child a fine red apple and then saying, do you want it? Peel the fruit of your faith. Let the juice run down your fingers. I honestly just want to wash my hands when I hear that. But let the juice run down your fingers. Take a bite in view of others and marvel aloud about the taste. To taste something so good that when somebody watches you taste it, they're like, that dude is loving that. It's not something that's fabricated. For the people of Israel, I'm sorry, I just went to the next passage. Peel the fruit back of your faith, let the juice run down your fingers, take a bite in view of others, and marvel aloud about the taste, the texture, the utter fruity perfection. For Christians, the suggestion is that the good news is an easy sell. So why beat others over the head with it? It is far better to entice and invite and let God do the rest. This is not an admission that we don't need to be the gospel carriers. I do believe that. But I think that when people see, as Kara said, the way that we love one another, and it's so different, and when they see the way that we react to what it is to be the blessed community of God, it is enticing enough on its own right. It is enticing enough. When I heard about Porchlight Community, it wasn't because he was my friend. It wasn't because they put the space in this building. It was because everybody came back to me and said, that's the best place to eat right now. If you own a restaurant, I'm sure it's great. I love Porchlight because everything I've ever tasted there is good. When I tell people about it, you got to eat at Porchlight. The gospel lived rightly as the chosen, blessed, even broken and given community. It tastes good to a world looking for who they are looking for why, looking for where. It tastes good to people who are broken on the inside, feeling cursed. This is our gospel. This next season for us, we get to. We don't have to. I'm not at home fretting. I'm not mad we couldn't do what we were gonna do. I am pumped to know that our Jesus is leading us and that he's providing the people and the resources for us to love well, for us to be discipled and grow well, for us to mourn and cry and to love and praise. He's doing that for us. The language of blessing is needed right now. It's needed in your homes. It's needed, your son and daughter need it. If mom and dad can't bless their son and daughter, they are not getting the framework. If your best friend can't be blessed by you, now I just feel like I'm being condemning. I think I'm just saying it's important. (laughs) Don't personalize any of that. I know that when my friends bless me, I have a friend in California that he speaks a word of blessing to me. I'm gonna share it. God, this is probably too much. Just do it or don't do it. That wasn't even my wife. Should I go with him or no? I have a friend who I am, I'm thinking of writing an article called Confessions of a Competitive Pastor, not because I win stuff, but because I'm horrified I'm always losing. And I have people that I have specifically placed as people that are doing ministry so much better than me. And I really believe they are and legitimately think if I could do it like them, it would just be better. And I shared this with my friend in California, and he said to me, I don't think I would like you if you became those people. And it felt like a cursing, but I heard the blessing, and the blessing was, Josh, you're enough. And be you in the way God has created you. We need to be blessed by one another to know that God is with us and for us. He is leading us. I don't know why I shared that, but if it was awkward for you, you can turn the channel, I guess. I love you all. The language of blessing is important. So the challenge is, everybody just pause for a second. Nobody is, but calm your kids down. Nobody can, but sit still. Nobody's doing that. Travel into community in this next season. 
we are going to figure out ways to start gathering in ways together, right? We are going to figure out ways to be creative because the body of Christ needs to be together. We had a gathering last Wednesday. The awkward level for me is level 50 right now because I'm not used to being around more from three people in our body at a time and I'm not mentally able to handle it. It feels like like stars are flying by me, like the starship just took off and it's like in warp and those are the people and I'm like, I, and I leave frazzled, but it's important to be together. And I locked into two conversations Wednesday night. Finally, I was like, I get into one, I can just focus on this one. And they were so good, so good. And so here's a couple things, travel into community. And community to me is like the text. When you first read a text of scripture, you impose upon it what you think it's supposed to tell you and you're always typically frustrated. The community is a lot like that. We impose upon the community of God what we think it is and what we think we know. And once we get into it, we're like, oh my gosh, didn't know he was like that, she was like that, didn't know that was like that, didn't know that's what's happening. As you dive deeper into the text and the community, the gems and the rooms and the growth, as long as you're not willing to throw in the towel, you'll continue to grow. So this Wednesday night, this is my big challenge. This Wednesday night at our socially distanced, responsibly taken gathering at Bronner Hall in the lawn from six to eight, we are going to reinstitute carabiner time. What is carabiner time, you ask? It's a time in our history where we have taken time to give somebody a carabiner, which is a thing that connects to a structure that helps you rock climb. Just forget about that for a moment. It's a connector. We're gonna set up a table out in the lawn and those who come, Pray about someone to bless. They can be someone in in person or someone else in our community or outside of our community to say, I see you so that the face of God may shine upon them and that they can be grounded in the blessedness of who they are and maybe tap into a room of blessing like the Aaronic blessing of God over our lives. So join me in it, right? And then be creatively praying about how to be the body in this season. Reach out to those who need to hear their blessing, right? We have three people today that have written out a blessing. And the way that we're doing this is that I asked some of our staff if they could be prayerful about anyone that's jumping off their heart that they would like to preach a blessing or speak a blessing to. You don't have to preach. And I heard of this through three churches really quickly this week. One church, they gather all their students as they send them back to school and they give them backpacks. They bring them up to the front and everyone surrounds them and prays for them and blesses them that they get the right of passage to go into a school and learn. For us now, it's into homes and living rooms. Another one was, and this is the most interesting one, in North Carolina, a church actually has a day where everyone brings their pet to church. And Sarah just raised, she literally just praised for the first time today. Just kidding, she was worshiping. Um, She was worship dancing over there. I have a film of it. So they bring all of their animals together and they thank God for the blessing of companionship through animals and bless their animals. And all their animals are like, (laughs) but they bless what God is blessing. Another one, when 16 year olds get their license, which I think the Harveys had somebody recently, they sp- the family sits down in this church and blesses the right of what that looks like. You have the ability to travel farther now. God, pave the way. God, love. God, protect. You have the ability now you didn't. I'm, you're moving into a season where you're expansive now. You can do things you couldn't. The idea of blessing in churches grounded in Christ is something that is irreplaceable about the community and something that can be done now. 
So give some space for the next few moments. You guys can come up as you would like. Uh, there's going to be three blessings, and then we'll close. And then, does that mic work now? Can we make sure that mic works? You want to try it as you walk up? Cool. You just got to turn it on. facilitating instruction and taking a teacher-like role for your child, I encourage you to receive this as well. Lord, bless the teachers who give their heart to teaching. Thank you for the special gift that you have given them specifically for this season in this way to these students. Bless them with a spirit of grace and compassion. Be their strength and endurance to perform their many tasks, and may they know and feel the deep gratitude of those whom they teach. Give help when they are weary. Give grace when they feel that they've reached their limit. Give peace when every child in their class, on the computer, that they have the heart to understand each one of them more deeply and to see them as you see them. Grant them the ability to understand every parent represented reminding them that you have destined every one of those paths to cross and you have great purpose in it all. Give them a heart shield to block out any negativity, to see through the outside to the inner fears involved, to let go of what needs to fall away and to hold on to what needs to be held on to. Give wisdom to embrace encouragement along the way and to give encouragement where it is needed. We bless them and thank them for the ways that they are serving our community. Amen. I would like to say a blessing to the students. Anybody who's going back to school or has already started school, if you guys want to, you can hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift. And I bless you to know that as it says in Philippians 1.6, the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion. I bless you to know that while you are growing and learning at home and at school, God is working alongside your parents and teachers to form you into the person that God wants you to be. I bless you to walk in confidence that God is equipping you and inviting you to be part of the great adventure of life. I bless you to know that you have the ability to both listen to and respect your parents and your teachers. At the same time, I bless you to know that your voice and your point of view matter. The Bible tells us adults not to look down on you because you are young. So I bless you to recognize that you can be an example to us in speech, behavior, love, and faith. I bless you as students to be filled with the wonder in your hearts and heads as you learn new things and grow through the year. I bless you to use the curiosity within you to dive deep into your studies and use your wonderfully made brain for his glory. I bless you to know that you are capable of learning in new and challenging ways and have the strength to tackle the hard things. I bless you with new friendships and leadership roles and the ability to share the true and never failing love of God with those in your classes, schools, and communities. I bless you to be a carrier of hope, peace, and joy as you move through the year. In gratitude for all that God will do in and through you this year, we bless you and pray, Lord Jesus, who welcomed the children and held up their faith as an example, bless now these students. Fill their schools with community. 
Develop within them wisdom, integrity, and maturity as they learn and grow this year. Remind them that we, their community, and church family are here to support them. In the beautiful name of Jesus, amen. This is a blessing for those who are feeling the heaviness of this season. Blessed are the afflicted and the downtrodden. Blessed are the heavy laden and those who feel forgotten. May you know that your burden is in the Father's hand. And may the encouragement of his people anchor you where you stand. May peace be yours and joy surround. And the goodness of the kingdom be abundantly found. May rest be yours and delight surround. And may the love of the Father be abundantly found. Amen. I'm just going to close by praying a prayer blessing over you. Uh, this was the Aaronic blessing from Numbers that the psalm was tapping into. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Jesus, bless this body and this city. Unite us. Lead us. We love you. We love you guys. Can't wait to see you soon. again for joining us today and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.